Welcome to Fast Forward, where we discuss technology, ethics, and the future of humanity. With your hosts, Rachel Love and Ben Perry. Each episode starts with a broad topic that we found interesting. And explores how it engages with humans and communities in the future. You can expect science news filtered through our woefully amateur lenses. Some strong opinions and hopefully a bit of humor. Welcome to Fast Forward. This is Rachel. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to be talking about the documentary Bleeding Edge that's on Netflix um, and all of our feelings around it. So if you haven't seen it yet and you don't like spoilers, please stop listening, go watch it, and then come back and listen to, <laughs> to all of our opinions. So before we dive into the documentary, which uh, is about a lot of the horrifying aspects of the medical device industry, I thought we'd frame it just a little bit uh, by sharing a story from my childhood that talks about how medical devices can be really amazing. Um, so when I was a kid, I had really, really bad ear infections repeatedly, chronically. I would come into my parents' room crying, screaming, night after night. would go get medicine, they would get better, then it would happen again. Uh, and so we you know, my parents took me to a specialist, uh, and they put tubes in my ears. Um, and so the tubes, had, as little I understand them, help uh, you know drain the, the fluid uh, that should be draining naturally but isn't. Um, and all of a sudden, within you know shortly after this procedure, I stopped getting ear infections. Uh, it was miraculous. I was able I was able to sleep through sleep through the night. My parents were able to sleep through the night. Everybody was <laughs> always <happy>. good. <laughs> Everything was good and wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, there are millions and millions of people who benefit from medical devices every day. People with artificial mm-hmm. limbs, people with, uh, you know, uh, pacemakers. Right. You know, there's so many medical devices, you know, artificial hips, artificial mm-hmm. knees. Right. Um, there's so many people who are living with some sort of medical device that makes every day for them livable, mm-hmm. pleasurable. Yeah. Uh, and, and good. Possible. Possible. Even. Yeah. Really. yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think we're about to talk. <laughs> There's so many things we have to talk it's about, Ben. <laughs> language about, yes. uh, you know, the the dangers of the medical device industry, particularly as they're, as they're mounting now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that should always be, you know, framed and captured in a, a broader understanding that, you know, medical devices are not inherently evil. Right. We just have some, uh, some rather sizable problems with what we're doing. Right. I think that's a really good segue into just talking about the process of how medical devices are approved. Yeah, which that was wild. I had no idea. Horrifying. <laughs> horrifying. I think there was even a quote that someone said that it's easier to get a medical device approved than it is for, like, uh, drugs, um, like pharmaceuticals. One of the things that blew my mind was that they had this this uh, exception in the, in the law where... In order to get your medical device approved, there are basically two pathways. Though there's one pathway where you know you have to go through a rigorous trial process, although it's even still less rigorous than mm-hmm. it is you know to get a clinical drug uh, passed through. Mm-hmm. But you know that you would have to go through a clinical trial. You'd have to have participants, you know, data right. subjects, you know, people would analyze it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But then there's a whole separate other pathway where you just have to say, oh, my device is significantly similar to a device that's already existing on the market. Yep. Um, but what's wild is that that doesn't actually have to be 
the you know the device you're comparing it to doesn't have to be a device that itself was tested clinically. Right. It could just be another one that was pretty similar to another yep. device. Yep. And so you create this this daisy chain mm-hmm. where you know you end up being 12, 13, 14, 15 iterations away from a, dr- a device that had any sort of testing. Right. And right. they're just rubber stamping and going, oh yeah, it's close to that one. Yes. Yeah. Guess it's okay then. Insane. Right. And then there's like all of these previous models that are then recalled because they fail, but then all of the other devices that have been approved based on that model that was recalled are still okay and are still on the market. So then you have products that are on the market that haven't been tested. Right. And then there was some yeah. other whose predecessor was hurting people. Right. Actually that's hurting people. Like the like new victims having come forward, everything's good. Right. Because then that's the other part of it is that um, the FDA has a process where any issues with the device has to be self reported. So that means that you have to be really motivated to go and report this issue that you've had with the device. And then there was another caveat um, as part of the five oh one K process is that there was a number of devices that were just grandfathered in to this process. So it's possible that you have this older device that was never really tested properly, and now it's just on the market, and there's all of these new products well, that are also being used. It's a symbol for you know, the issue with you know, how deeply in bed it, regulators are with industry. That, you know, That's you're just, grand, you're just grandfathering oh. all these, like, well, it's going to take That's so fine. much time to test all the things we're already using. Why would we do that when we can make more money and just put it on the market? <laughs> It's so incestual. The the uh, FDA regulators and folks that are in the system, or sorry, in the industry, and are on boards of these um, medical device companies, but then later become regulators or vice versa. Yeah, they like wrap the movie talking about that. With yep. Like, oh, they, you know, the guy who they chose for the Trump administration, mm-hmm. you know, was a was a longtime industry insider, and here he is with you know some schmuck from one right. of the you know lobbyist groups on the stage, just like laughing. And falling, but that's not a new story, and, and no. I feel like you know that no. they should have put that at the front. <laughs> yes, said, yes. Well, why did all of this happen? You get you get the answer at the last second, like, oh, it's because <laughs> the people who are you know making the rules are yeah. also people who are making money from everything. Exactly, exactly, and also the doctors that are making money from pushing these devices that haven't been tested, these doctors that don't understand how the approval of process even goes. Um, but just backing up for a second, I feel like I haven't trusted the FDA since I read Fast Food Nation in high school. So a lot of this conversation around you know um, these lobbying groups reminds me very much of the food industry, mm-hmm. right? And just how a lot of these food processing plants don't get audited on a regular basis. And it's just it's the same kind of thing where people that are at these companies then become the regulators and vice versa. And it's just, it's so muddled. And it, it just astounds me that it's so muddled when we're talking about how people receive care and just them being healthy and alive. Like, the fact that we're even having a conversation about this is horrifying, yeah. I think. So let's, let's jump into some of the, the examples from the yeah. movie. Um, one of the examples that they, you know, uh, is central throughout is this product Esher, mm-hmm. uh, which is a device that uh, is inserted into the fallopian tube to yeah. create scarring tissue. Sounds horrible. Inside <laughs> the tube so that you can't get pregnant anymore. Yep, yep. Which, 
I mean, you get the spoilers in the movies, so maybe it's like, it seems like they maybe, maybe should have been able to figure that that was going to be a problem for the get-go. Right? I also just feel I mean, like... Just, like <laughs> we're going to stick this sharp metal rod inside your fallopian tube and hope it just scars shut. And what could go right. wrong? We're just, we're just going to plug the hole. Literally. <laughs> we're just going to plug the hole and hope it works. But what happens instead, for all of you that already have watched the documentary, obviously there's all of these fragments that become lodged in the uterus. Doctors are putting six or eight of these devices in in a, a uterus when it's only meant to be one per two. Oh, no, we missed. Oh, let's my goodness. Right. Oh, let's just shoot it. Let's just launch it again. Whatever. Yeah. You know what? Let's just fill that uterus. Just fill it up with all of these little metal trash. All the trash. All the trash. <laughs> all the trash, all the the trash. And one thing that we know about uteri, they don't like things inside <laughs> that aren't meant to be there. Um, it's just, and then... And so you had all these women who were told by their doctors yep. that this was going to be the easiest, quickest, newest way to, you know, to prevent pregnancy for yep. to be sterilized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they went through the, the procedure, and yep. then within months they were getting extreme bleeding. Yep, pain. Um, and then a, a huge number of women had this autoimmune response, which uh, Bayer said, well, yeah, some percentage uh, of folks do have that. Um, but what what happened was this woman started this whole Facebook group of folks uh, and a lot of these cases came up and people were having really, really hard times. And by law, we mean like babies. tens of thousands. Yes. <laughs> tens of thousands of women having issues and then having to have hysterectomies. Yeah. At which, like 28 years old. Exactly. Years old. Which uh, having a friend that has had a hysterectomy and sitting in the hospital room with them uh, while they heal, it is a very intense procedure for that to be the response of how you remove this device is is just ludicrous. I felt like one of the, the most telling and frustrating scenes in the movie is when all the Isher patients go to... Yes. The, the convention. convention for OBGYNs. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's footage of them, of all these women who are talking mm-hmm. about how this device has just horribly destroyed their lives, how it like ruined their marriages, how it some yep. some of them ended up getting pregnant when they didn't want to get pregnant. Others of them right. you know, have lost the you know the ability to have sex entirely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other ones you know have have severe chronic autoimmune disorders. So you have this whole just cavalcade of women with signs and signatures and posters talking to these OBGYNs who are like, you don't really know what you're talking about. That's not true. You're just a silly lady. <laughs> you could just pull it out. You could just, just take it out if you don't want it, if it's not working. It's just, it, I think that was another theme that came up in, in the documentary was how you need so much more evidence to prove that a device has failed and is not working than you need to actually get it approved to put it inside of people. Yeah. What? I just, I can't. And then the, the, this man's face just haunts me um, who just continued to tell these women, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. No, it's, it's fine. Um, I, I can't, I can't. I think... The other thing that, like, he, you know, he's an OBGYN, so obviously has specialization in, you know, like, uterine physiology. Yes. He's not a device manufacturer. Right. He has, you know, inside route. Mm -hmm. He's he's been told by device manufacturers that this is a good device. Right. This is fine. This is fine. Right. He didn't research. So you have, you know, on the one hand, a whole army of women talking about how this device 
like harmed me seriously yes. and yeah. has harmed tens of thousands of other women. And then a product rep who said, you know what? It's really great. And you're like, well, <laughs> just try like, it. He seems like a swell guy. Like, <laughs> I guess it'll be, it'll, it'll be fine. Just launch more. Just put, just put more in they the ears. They bought a very nice steak lunch. Right. Getting all these, all these kickbacks and this consulting and these, and these teaching just checks keep coming in. And the quote from one of one of the uh, reps in the in the industry saying that uh, a doctor switched reps because another company was offering them more money. He was like, "Oh yeah, your product is the best, but right. but, the, but know, I gotta go over here. What they're getting, right? right? I gotta go pay some bills. So <laughs> lo siento." Uh, just it, it's just it's so mind-boggling. I mean, I was honestly like in tears because of how much this device, this assure device, has literally ruined these women's lives. Um, the one woman who um, had to put her kids in foster care, her husband left. She then was on disability and it was in pain. I was just, I, I was mortified, um, and I, I couldn't believe that, you know, such a small, tiny device had ruined this woman's life, literally, completely, like in shambles. Um, And I think that there is something to be said there about the internalized patriarchy um, that I feel some of these women had to even go through with the shore to kind of fix their fertility or like, um, you know, stop their ability to have children. Um, whereas, you know, a man having a vasectomy is a, a much more simplified procedure than women really doing anything with their ovaries or their uterus or anything like that. Because really, it's a complex machine that doctors don't really even understand. You know, it's only recently that the shape of the clitoris has actually been revealed and discovered and really it's because no one really cared about how people with vaginas experience pleasure that's not important right as long as you can make a baby uh and it's just it's just so so frustrating vasectomy is like a simple outpatient procedure it's a snip snip yeah it's outpatient it's outpatient then you're less of a man right right you know and it's like you can't i don't want to mess with my penis why would i do that you mess with all of the things happening over there. You do that. You're going to stick this trash in your <laughs> And hope it scars. Oh, my. I just, it's its so ridiculous. I think the other thing that, that came up specifically with Assure was um, how the EU has higher standards um, for their consumers and uh, for their patients. And it's another thing that really parallels uh, the food industry. Um, and really them kind of being more thoughtful about the the treatment or the products that people are actually receiving instead of just believing the manufacturers of a device. Yeah, and like once all of, all of this uh, you know, information started coming out, the EU just yanked, or well, I guess Bayer yanked it off the market in uh, anticipation right. of the EU you know, kicking under the curb. Right. And then the U.S. was like, well, I'll put an extra warning label on it. Right. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Right. We'll be fine. Ugh, it's just, it's it's so frustrating. What was the device that was causing women's colons to fall out of them? Uh, that was the Da Vinci robot. They were getting uh, hyster- was it hysterectomies. 
they were having a procedure done yeah, with the Da Vinci yeah, exactly. robot. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a robot that they, they marketed to surgeons. It's like a it's like a robot surgeon. You yeah. control it remotely, mm-hmm. which sounds cool and super and, you know, yeah. futuristic, unless the person who's using it doesn't really know how to use it well, in which case oh you've gosh. now just, you know, set them loose in somebody's... <laughs> In in someone's body. <laughs> While they're, you know, hope you hope you figure it out. Playing Wally, like. yeah. And then the the response from the manufacturer was like, "Oh well, doctors should only use it if they feel that they're comfortable enough using it." And then one of the doctors said, "Oh well, yeah, I feel like I was only comfortable after two hundred or three hundred cases." <laughs> What? So what about all those? What about number 157? Well, how did that procedure go? Right. Because she sat down on the toilet and her colon fell out of her body. <laughs> oh, my God. I would be horrified. I can't even imagine. Yeah, like these, so, you know, the, the documentary is shot and, you know, it's all these first-person interviews. Yep. So you have these, like, nice ladies in their living rooms all, like, put together and they're like, well, yeah, and then I sat down on the toilet and all of a sudden it was like, three feet of my colon was sticking out of me. And I was just holding it. I held it up and I tried to waddle out of it. Just, this oh my god! I can't imagine that. I can't oh, imagine some asshole was using a you know a robot for surgery when he could have done right. surgery perfectly well with his hands. But you're like, exactly. oh, I want to be Robo Doc. <laughs> it's so much cooler. Do you want to live in the future, Ben? Come on, let's live in the future. Less with each passing day. <laughs> so true. So true. And then, um, what about the mesh? The the mesh that they put. Um, around women's like uh, bladder and vagina to like keep everything together, keep it tight, keep it tight, and it's actually impossible to remove once it's in there. It's in again, there. It creates like scarring tissue. What, what is this technique? It's like, <laughs> no. oh, we're gonna just create a whole bunch of scar tissue in your body. Like, we all know that that's a great idea. Like, literally, the principle is: we hope that your body rejects this and just creates scar tissue around it. Yeah. Like these, these that your issue. need to be nice and flexible. And loose. <laughs> like we're just gonna case them in scars. Right. Don't go wrong. Hope that works for you. Oh, you're in pain the rest of your life. Yeah. So it, like, that lady who was talking was the main, you know, uh, mesh survivor. Yes. Undergone like 18 surgeries or something. It's just, it's insane. I and and it just feels like the response from these manufacturers. It sounds like they don't really care because they don't care. They've made their money. Yeah, I mean, and so there's a there's an example that they give in the movie, um, talking about the Isha, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it was Isha. Yeah, where they, so they they give this figure where they say that you know uh, lawsuits about or was this was this mesh? Or it might be mesh. It was it was it was Johnson and Johnson yeah, around Ashore. That was they were the Ashore people. I, yes. <laughs> no. Bear was the issue. Yeah, I think, I think it was the mesh. You're right. <laughs> Ben's right. <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> as we digress, so so the, the mesh comes out in the market. Women uh, start having horrifying health problems. Mm-hmm. A lot of them sue Johnson Johnson. Johnson Johnson loses a lot of lawsuits because mm-hmm. they put an awful product in people's bodies and it right. caused people harm and pain. Um, and they lost a series of lawsuits, and they, mm-hmm. you know, were on the hook for three hundred million dollars, which sounds like a lot of money <laughs> yes. until you hear that they, in the same period, had made billions of dollars billions. in profit. At which point, you're just if you're a company, you're just writing off that three hundred yep. million dollars as like, well, that's the cost of doing business, right? You're just budging it and budging it in as part of a loss yeah, to the business. I'm, I am sure that they they work in you know. The, 
when they're thinking about new devices and stuff that they're making, they are factoring in some mm-hmm. degree of getting sued for yeah. people yeah. into, you know, the, the profit margin to, you know, in, in the question of whether this device is viable and, you know, should right. be bring to market. Right. I mean, and that was one of the things that was, you know, crazy about the mesh in the first place was mm-hmm. the entire reason they started using this mesh was because they realized that it was really, really cheap to produce. Yeah, it was like $25 or something, and then yeah. they were selling it for $2,000. Because yeah, it's like a, just a piece of mesh. And right. And they were like, oh, man, it looks like, uh, you know, maybe we could take this thing that we're already making right. and sell it as a special new thing and uh, make money hand over fist. And <laughs> yeah. so they did. <laughs> it, it, that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. Um, but what you don't see on, on the balance sheet is all of the women whose lives were ruined. Right. And you, you can't you put a you can't put a dollar amount to that. Heartbreaking conversation right. with that woman and, and her husband. They're like, we can't have sex anymore. Right. Our, that part of our life is probably gone forever. And you're like, can you imagine? <laughs> I cannot either. And 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 honestly, oh, a company want to make a fast buck. Right. Like, that's really what it yeah. boils down to is this understanding of medicine as a profit based industry. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that you know, you can't tweak this system and make it better. Right. Like the answer is not to impose stiffer penalties mm-hmm. on companies who, you know, knowingly put out products into the, into the world that hurt people. The yeah. answer is take out the profit motive that right. is causing people to put unsafe products in the into the world in the first right. place. Right, right, right. Medicine yeah. should not be a profit-driven industry. Just no. prison should not be a profit-driven exactly. industry. Exactly, exactly. Right. It honestly needs an entire overhaul. But then that begs the question of, like, Honestly, Ben, what's the likelihood of a complete overhaul of this entire system? <laughs> like 2% babes? What? My girl AOC gets her way. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I hope so. Uh, no, I mean, but, but that, I, mean, I think it does, you know, frame the 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 situation nicely. Yep. Yeah, like, I mean, we really, you know, short of an of a massive overhaul, we're mm-hmm. not going to fix these kinds of issues. No. And the reality is that you know, given the rate of technological change, like things like this are going to get worse, not better. Right. As it becomes easier and easier to make more devices and make them more cheaply, mm-hmm. um, and it, you know, if, if the loopholes are not, uh, you know, sealed in the way Fixed. the FDA approves approves yeah. them, you know, what is to stop companies from just you know putting out a whole bunch of new products mm-hmm. into the market and be like, oh, I'll just like roll the dice and see what uh, see works out. Right. Right. Like very very little. Totally. I have to say also as like an HR person, the the part where they were discussing how the employees at the FDA, the doctors at the FDA, who are starting to raise concern, <laughs> one had their their computers spied on, <laughs> and like all of their keystrokes recorded. Not only that, but then they were retaliated against, and all of them were either let go or. Uh, or we're fired. Fired. Yeah, we're all fired. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. And and it's a federal organization, right? Yeah, that's supposed like, to be promoting science. I mean, you know, not only <laughs> right. We have hired scientists to evaluate, you know, whether what the you know drug and whether we're doing this right or not. And food industries are saying, yeah, it's true. So yeah, that the, you know, the consumer is protected. Yes, um, yeah. but it really seems, you know, uh, for the last thirty years at least, that you know. We've seen wave after wave of politicians who view the very function of agencies like the FDA mm-hmm. as the problem. Right. Like, right. 
you know, the, the, those the footage of Trump in in the movie talking about, oh, well, for every you know, for every one new yes. regulation, we're cutting two. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> Which is the kind of idea that sounds almost like it makes sense until you think about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a second. No, no, no. Hmm. It sounds like a toddler came up with that. <laughs> I want to talk about how in part of the clinical trials, the Bayer representatives were crossing out answers. And remember this? (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. So then it's like, even if you do have clinical trials for a product, doesn't mean shit, apparently. Because the people running the trials are Bayer. Yes. I mean, that is, you know, it yeah. used to be the case where a lot of the clinical trials were done by the government themselves. That you would submit your product yep. and then government scientists would go and do a clinical trial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now, as, you know, a cost saving measure, you know, you've now outsourced that back to the industry. Right. So the industry running their own trials. And who would have thought that maybe they weren't <laughs> keeping all, all the cards above board? Right, you know? right. <laughs> who, who would know? Literally, people with a significant, massive vested financial interest in having this product bring to market would might sway ask. the answers just a smidge. We're just gonna, but we're just gonna get it passed just a little. Like, actually, they actually documented just crossing what? out answers. Like, nope, you don't have pain. Oh, and then when she asked her, Well, well are, are you, you pregnant? pregnant? So then it works. <laughs> What? She's like, no, I'm not. I have all these problems. They're like, is one of your problems a baby? I didn't think so. Then it's working. What? What? Yes. Anyway, that was just just crazy. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. It all comes back to this, this, you know, fundamental bottom line of anytime you have people making money off Mm -hmm. the system, they are not going to be approaching it with a neutral and unbiased perspective. And that that seems like something that is so patently obvious Mm -hmm. that we shouldn't have designed a system that (laughs) deliberately plays into it, and yet we did. Yeah, we did. Right. It's currently functioning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We are getting exactly what the system is intended to produce, which Mm -hmm. is a, a whole bunch of products that are very profitable for the people who are making them. Right. But then that don't the actually help people. <laughs> right. We're doing great. Right. If the goal is healing people, which right. one would argue healing might, health, I don't know, might be the purpose of a health system. <laughs> we're not doing so great. Right. You know, really what it gets down to for me is like understanding that like this, the system isn't broken. It's working as intended. Just right. In it's working as designed. Our criminal justice system is not right. broken. It's working, it's working as, as it was designed. designed it right. Work. Right. I mean, one could say the same thing about our democracy. <laughs> Which I feel like was, that's a whole nother other, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, but but also true. <laughs> so slavery. Um, I think that it's, it really causes one to need a high level of awareness when going to the doctor. Every time that a doctor recommends something to me or gives me a certain uh, analysis or opinion, I want to go get two or three other opinions. I have three different opinions on my wisdom teeth because I did not want to get them pulled. Um, And it's just so sad that someone who is 
supposed to be helping and taking care of me doesn't necessarily have my best interest at heart. And the other thing is, unless I go and do research, I'm not going to know that. And not to mention, you know, the inherent privilege of that, that like, yeah, if if a doctor says, oh, we need to give you this medical implant, it's really going to be the best thing. I will go get another opinion or a third opinion because I can afford to do that. Exactly. Because I can afford to go make some extra additional doctors Mm -hmm. and pay extra additional co-pays. Right. Because I have the the means to do that. I have the time to do that. Exactly. I have a boss who will let me just take off multiple days during Mm -hmm. the week and get medical appointments. A lot of people don't. Exactly. A lot of people don't have that privilege or even that option. And it's really frustrating. I I have been to many doctor's appointments with friends and I get really upset almost every single time. One, because of the lack of efficiency, but two, because there have been multiple scenarios in which a doctor and a nurse have given the patient, one of my friends, completely different advice post-surgery. And It's just like, well, then what are we supposed to do? Pick the one that we like better? Yeah. Like, what? My choice. And it's, you know, and I have to be grateful for the level of privilege that I do have to even be able to navigate scenarios like that. Because I can't imagine how frustrating it has been for other folks, especially, you know, obviously folks that come from marginalized communities. But, you know, if English isn't your first language, if, you know, you have any other, like, learning disability or any other way of, like, you know, communicating with folks, like, it, it's, it yeah, must you know, be like, this doctor who's like, oh, like, well, he's, he's a doctor. He's right. He's in medical school. He's telling me that this is going to heal me, that I have this problem. And, you know, I, I've seen these ads where mm-hmm. they, you know, there's some, some person saying, well, oh, I have this problem and uh, it's not going away. But then I tried this product and it worked perfectly and all my problems went away. Right. Talk to your doctor Try about this. it. Talk to the doctor. The doctor says, yeah, absolutely. It's the newest, greatest thing. Right. Yeah. And then, I and then you get it. I completely understand why some right. people just go, okay, well, that's my, doc- that's right. what my doctor said. Of course. Of course. I'm very happy that my grandmother, who's from Poland, has always had a deep resentment for doctors and for pills and anything. So I grew up with my grandmother always saying that doctors are evil and all they want is money. And obviously, obviously you have to take that with like a little bit of grain of salt because you need to go to the doctor to get things fixed. But that's how I grew up. I grew up with this thought of the doctors are not always thinking of you first and that all of these pills and all these different things that they're recommending aren't actually for you. They're actually for all of these other people in all of these under, other industries. So thank you, Bapcha, for that. I appreciate you. <laughs> I really do feel like, you know, taking it back to fast forward, the fact yeah. that these are, these are problems that are only going to accelerate as the rate of technological change Definitely. increases, the rate of Definitely. Like, R&D increases. You know, these industries are still growing. It's not mm-hmm. like these are, you know, uh, I mean, they're they're huge industries, but they're they're also emerging. Right. Um, the medical device industry is is hugely accelerating. Yeah. Um, and as you know, material science continues to uh, to increase in complexity, mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. know, our knowledge of, of, of physiology continues to improve, yeah. there are going to be yeah. all sorts of other people who have all sorts of ideas for how they can you know toy around with our bodies. Yes. To to make them you know quote unquote quote better. better. Right. Yeah. Uh, and if we don't get the regulatory systems. Uh, in place before then, I feel like we're going to hit a point where, you know, uh, the the stories about snake oil salesmen in the 19th century mm-hmm. seem favorable in comparison. Right. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think that that's just really a theme across all of this is regulation. New regulation is built on old regulation instead of taking old regulation apart or, you know, um, 
thinking about like, well, what kind of system do we want to create? Right. What are the principles right. that we should be operating right. on? Yeah. We're constructing a healthcare system in mm-hmm. this country. You know, what are the fundamental principles that, you know, or principles that we, we need to be basing it on? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, short of, of you know, significantly and fundamentally overhauling uh, that system, I don't know that you yeah. can create a system in which, you know, medical device manufacturers who want to make a quick buck aren't able to. Right. Yeah. So that's us. <laughs> Just a depressing movie hour. Yes. Let's look at this choice next. Right. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us uh, on another episode and see you soon. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fast Forward. As a reminder, what we've shared today are our own personal opinions and some of our jokes. But not expert-level information. So as always, please do your own research. And remember, please base no life-or-death decisions on our ramblings. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode. And while you're there, leave us a rating and a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for the next episode.